0: In the spirit of the great American tradition of the State of the Union addressed by the President, let's talk about the state of BYU Athletics. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. I know you've got many other options when it comes to BYU podcasts, but thank you for checking us out. We're proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto is your team every day, and as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Now, if you happen to be listening to this and/or watching it on YouTube, please make sure to uh, f- uh, both follow the show if you're listening to it in the regular podcast format. Or if you're on YouTube, uh, make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button. Also, hit that bell notification to enable notifications when a show goes live so you can catch it. Right away. Thank you for your support on that front. Also, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by our title sponsor, FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit slash locked on today to get started. All right. In the spirit of the State of the Union Address, which is a thing that is held every January by the United States Congress with the President of the United States speaking uh, to the collected uh, Senate and the House of Representatives, I wanted to uh, take a step out of that, and I'm not going to weigh in on the actual politics side of things on that, but I wanted to take from that vein and talk about the state of BYU athletics. And I think the biggest thing for me, my my biggest thing on the state of BYU athletics right now is that BYU has made good on the bet on themselves. Think about this, 12 years ago, BYU set a chart to go independent when TCU and Utah We're making the leap, uh, respectively, uh, to the Big 12 and to the Pac 12, and bet on themselves, saying, "You know what? We can go out, get ourselves a TV deal. It's going to make us seen far wider than what the Mountain West Conference was offering at the time, and even to this day, BYU's probably seen far more widely than any Mountain West Conference team can ever hope to have been seen in those 12 years." They also said, "You know what? We're going to go out and try and chart our own course to hopefully, at one point, get invited to a Power Five conference." And 12 years later. BYU is on the precipice of jumping into the Big 12. Honestly, uh, overall, my state uh, state of BYU athletics right now is one of exhilaration. BYU athletics is lucky to be where they're at right now. Now, there's some conversations out there I waited on on Twitter last night uh, talking about uh, SMU getting a visit from George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 president. Uh, That's the thing is the the Pac-12 right now is scrambling. They are probably going to have to lean into the streaming platforms and hope to be a a pioneer on that front if they want to get the requisite money that they think they can get. Uh, They have some apologists in the media saying that the Big 12 undercut their position by going out and renegotiating its rights while the Pac-12 should have had right to do that first. You know what? Right now... The Big 12's in a good spot, all things considered. And I think BYU's very lucky to be a part of this conference. Now, uh, when it comes to the Big 12, I think there's a whole lot of what you don't know when it comes to BYU that, in many ways, we're going to learn along the way as they officially enter the conference on July 1st. Uh, obviously, you're trying to do your best to be prepared for it. Kalani Satake and his football program, Mark Pope and the men's basketball, uh, all down the roster. You can go to women's basketball, the baseball, softball, soccer... All of those volleyball programs, down to the track and field, et cetera. All of the Big 12 uh, adjustments for every one of these, athletic, uh, pr- the, these athletics programs inside the BYU Athletic Department are going to have to make a leap to the next level. Some of them are going to compete quite favorably. I think women's soccer is going to be right in the hunt for a Big 12 soccer title from the get-go. I think it's a similar circumstance for BYU women's volleyball. I think uh, they have an opportunity to be a power player right away. There are other sports who I think are going to struggle. I can think of tennis, baseball, softball, men's basketball, women's basketball. Those are some of the programs, in my opinion, they're going to struggle. And I think men's basketball might be the worst off in terms of its overall prospects going into the conference. So there is going to be pitfalls for the BYU Athletic Department when they go into the Big 12 Conference, but more importantly, it's just a huge net gain for BYU across the board. More money, more exposure, a seat at the table at the Power 5 level to be a true decision-maker at the top echelons of the college sporting universe, in particular college football. We all know where the bread is buttered. It's all about football. And BYU has aspirations of, once again, returning to prominence on a national stage. Well, you can be, obviously, a, a... Program people talk about on a national stage when you're winning football games as an independent, et cetera. But if you truly want to have a chance, in theory, to chase another national title to pair with your one from 1984 down there at the student athlete building, you needed to be in the Power Five conference level. You need to be at the Power Five conference level, and BYU will now have that going into the Big 12. Uh, More directly in the football vein of things, I think BYU is in a very advantageous spot compared to what TCU and Utah faced over a decade ago when they made the leap to the Power 5 ranks. BYU can look at those two programs in particular – and learn from some of the pitfalls that they went through. The guys on BYU staff, six of them spent time at the University of Utah under Kyle Whittingham. They have seen, in, in the case of Kalani Sitake and Aaron Roderick, they have been through that transition process, making the leap from the Mountain West G5 level to the Power 5 level. That has given BYU a leg up in preparing themselves to go in uh, to these conferences right away. Is BYU's roster on the football side of things as elite as you probably would like it to be going into the Big 12? No, but I I don't think anybody in their heart of hearts truly expected BYU's roster to be that good. The more important thing is, is that BYU has been doing their best to build up to this. Obviously, they've hit the transfer portal. They've used the junior college ranks. They've tried to continue to recruit the high school level to build up a program they believe is capable of competing. And I think that BYU will be more competitive than maybe some of the naysayers out there are going to be. So, my overall message to you out there in Cougar Nation is if I was, uh, the president of Cougar whatever you want to say. Uh, but my overall message to you is be excited for the future for BYU Athletics. Are there going to be bumps in the road? Absolutely. There are going to be issues that are going to pop up between here and however long BYU is a member of the Big 12 and however long their athletics programs continue on. I hope they continue forever, honestly. Uh, there are people out there, well, I can't wait for the church to shut down BYU like BYU-Idaho and BYU-Hawaii. Sorry, folks. Here's the thing. BYU Athletics is too big of a of a deal on a national stage that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, at this point, if they were to shut down BYU Athletics, you're talking about you'd have people willing to go to war, I feel like, in many ways uh, to stop that from happening. But my, my, my bigger point is, This is a momentous time for the BYU Athletic Department. It's an opportunity to be truly relevant on a national scale once again. Many of you who are older than I am, I'm a child who was born in the late 1980s. I was not alive for BYU in the 1984 season. I I freely admit that. I was born in 1987. I am 36 years old now, and I have had aspirations of seeing BYU play at the level they're about to play at for my entire life. I wanted BYU as a youngster to be a part of the Pac-12. than the Pac-10. I hope that BYU might get a chance with then the Big 10, not the Big 10, the Big 12, the Big 8, any opportunity growing up, of rumors of potential conference expansion. My thought in the as a child of the 90s was that BYU should be deserving of getting a shot like that. Well, it's been a couple of decades, and it's been a lot of different uh, things, a lot of different iterations of how BYU has looked. But now they're finally getting that shot, and I, for one, cannot wait to watch it, track it, be covering it as a professional uh, here in the media sphere, and hope you guys will be along for the ride. So be excited. This is a very very exciting time if you're a Cougar fan getting ready to see BYU in the Big 12 Conference. Like I said, there there will be uh, obviously issues for the Cougars they will face head on. But the nice part is they've shown resilience in the past in dealing with anything that's been thrown their way. And I expect nothing less as they continue to push forward here on into their future as a member of the Big 12. All right, so coming up next, uh, a couple of you have reached out to me and tried to either uh, persuade or dissuade me from my take on where I think BYU, the benchmark for success in their first year of playing football in the Big 12 Conference, should be. We'll address those. We'll talk about that and why I agree and or disagree with your guys' takes in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. And of course, this time of year, it's the Super Bowl, my friends. And the only app you need to open when you're watching Super Bowl 57 this week at your Super Bowl party or whatever you're doing is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're super excited to have our new sports betting partner, FanDuel, for the Locked On Podcast number because they are the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have many great features making betting on sports fun and easy. The important part is, is you can download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 this Sunday with what they call is a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to three $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you do everything on the app from uh, betting on the money line, point spreads, tool score a touchdown, or a myriad of other prop bets. So get on it. Uh, have fun with it. The best part is is the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly from our friends at FanDuel. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to reclaim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57 this weekend. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on Once again, make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Thank you once again for checking out Locked On Cougars right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. want to encourage you guys, make sure if you have not done so already, to check out our new podcast on the Locked On College channel. It's Locked On College Basketball. This time of year, we're getting ready for March. Obviously, looking forward to seeing what uh, the tournament will bring us. Well, if you want to get up to speed on everything in the college basketball sphere, check out Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So a couple of you have reached out over the past week or so since I've been talking about BYU, and I think that's... 6-6 six and six is why where I have pegged BYU in terms of having a successful uh, debut campaign in the Big 12 Conference as being. I think if BYU gets the bowl eligibility, it's a great spot for BYU to be in. Now, Jeremy Hess emailed me, and I'm going to pull my phone here. I've got the email on my phone. I can pull it up more readily. It says, hey, Jake, my name is Jeremy Hess, and I love the podcast. Here was an interesting take on BYU's 2023 football schedule done by David Nixon, Blaine Fowler, and Dave McCann on the Wise Guys podcast. If you haven't seen the video, I'd love to know your thoughts. I know you have BY, you're probably going five and seven with six and six being the benchmark. So I was going to see if this changed your mind at all. Thanks, Jeremy. Now, Jeremy. I had not had an opportunity to watch that video and watch David Nixon. By the way, the wise guys, Dave and, what Blaine, Dave and Blaine, what they're building is really, really cool to see. Obviously, uh, they're, they're getting big-name guests, guys that I can only dream of getting on this podcast, maybe one day, but it's phenomenal what they're building. I had a great opportunity to sit down and watch that and listen to it, and they essentially came to the conclusion, I, I know that Blaine said he had them 7-5. and five. I think Dave may have said that they were going to push for eight wins in his mind, but the biggest thing is they think that BYU is going to secure a winning season, in their first year in the big 12 conference. now Jeremy I, I will I will quibble a little bit with your assumption that I think BYU is going five and seven. I think they're going six and six. I think that BYU will reach that six and six mark and like I said that's the benchmark for success when it comes to the BYU football program. Uh, there's other, another message here I'm I am actually going to open up my Twitter feed right here uh, there's a DM it's from a uh, bill and Bill also reached out and said Jake I am of the opinion that BYU can push for eight and four now that's an interesting one Bill that you think BYU can push for an eight and four. Mark in their first year in the big 12, if they do that. And I know that Dave and Blaine and, and, uh, 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 who else was it? It was, um, uh, David Nixon, they said if BYU's pushing 8-4, and four, they're probably more of a power player and a person that, or a program not a person, a program that has more of a say in the Big 12 race in year one for, for this uh, upcoming season for B, for the BYU and the Big 12, and I would agree with that. If you can get to 8-4, and four, that would scream to me that Keaton Slovis has gone back to what he was at USC, and he's just throwing dimes all over the field. BYU has a fantastic running game led by the likes of Aiden Robbins, Hinkley Ropati, and incoming freshman L.J. Martin, you probably have the run game rolling. You've got a revamped offensive line that's been far better in the run game. You're controlling the line of scrimmage. You're just making life miserable for opposing teams, and you're scoring, scoring points in bunches because – as Jay Hill said uh, during the signing day press conference on February 1st, he was very blunt in saying that the defense is not where it needs to be right now. And BYU's defense, I think all of us can acknowledge that BYU's defense is still going to have hiccups this upcoming season. No matter what the revamped scheme looks like, upgraded talent at certain positions, etc., there are still going to be hiccups and issues for BYU on defense. So... If you are playing with an elite offense out there, and that's the theory here, I think behind what a guy like Bill and others might have when it comes to BYU potentially going eight and four, I'm 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 guessing you're banking on BYU having a high flying elite offense that is going to be out able to outscore a couple of opponents. Were there, were there, were, will there be games where BYU is better on defense and has an opportunity to hold an opponent down? Sure, there will probably be those those opportunities for BYU. But they're going to have to bank this year if they for any success I feel like for BYU is that the offense has to stay at the near elite levels that it has been over the past three and four years under Aaron Roderick's tutelage. And I think that's where my confidence uh, comes in for BYU being able to at least reach at least 6-6. Six I think the offense will be good enough, and I know Aaron uh, Roderick has had his detractors out there, and obviously people who think that uh, he needs to change certain aspects of how he goes about stuff, but I am a believer in Coach Roderick because he's got a proven track record. He's developed back-to-back NFL quarterbacks. This is a guy who's put offenses out there that have been absolutely elite, even though they have been dealt a tough hand with the inability to get requisite touches. They've had far fewer possessions in many of these past three and four seasons than typical Offenses of their ilk have had in an, a regular game. It's because BYU's defense has struggled. They've that. Ben Don't Break drop 8 scheme has obviously hampered BYU getting the possessions and extra touches on offense they would like to have, but despite all of that, they have put out pretty darn good offenses, and I think I'm well, I'm Not I'm not a thing, I am going to bet on BYU's offense staying near that level under Aaron Roderick's tutelage, and that's why I think BYU 6-6 six and six is where I think BYU can reach, just simply due to the offense doing its thing like I said, there are going to be defensive issues that are going to hurt BYU and probably cost them a game or two or three this season because just the, they're still working on getting the defense up to speed, what Jay Hill envisions it could be for the Cougars. But I think the bigger point is. Six and six is not a bad place to be. Anything beyond that, I'd be absolutely ecstatic. Seven and five, eight and four. Heck, if they even push for, if they all of a sudden are just an absolute juggernaut and go to nine and three potentially, that'd be phenomenal. And by the way, there's another story out there, and this was written uh, on twenty four seven Sports by Dean Straka, and he went uh, team by team, uh, looking at the what he projects for their schedules, how they're projected to go. Well, in his projection for BYU, he has BYU going 6-6, six and six, and he writes this. The Cougars are no stranger to playing Power 5 competition on the regular from the days as an FBS independent. He mentions that BYU beat Baylor in Provo last year, but the schedule does not do Kalani Sitake's group many favors as the Big 12 era begins for the program. The non-conference slate sees the Cougars travel to Arkansas in Week 3 before the arrival of a conference slate that includes additional road trips to Kansas, TCU, Texas, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State. BYU of note also hosts Oklahoma in November. It says, can the Cougars steal some wins along the way? It may hinge on the play of. Of transfer quarterback Keaton Slovis, who was most recently a pit in 2022 after starting his career at USC. We all know that the most important position in college football is the quarterback, and if Keaton Slovis can get back to being more of what he was at USC, I, I think BYU's offense can remain among the upper echelons out there and give them a, a, a puncher's chance in literally every game this year. I, I don't look at the at the Big 12 up and down this rank, uh, this list, and say any one of these teams are going to be just lights out guys that you can bank on them going uh, to the national championship, that type of stuff. He projects uh, Texas to have the best record at 10-2 and two this year. And we all know that Texas, well, the whole Texas is back meme and all that garbage has annually been, been an issue. Can Sarkeesian uh, truly get the talent level that Texas has and get them uh, playing as a cohesive unit to go out and get that type of a record? Outside of that, he's got Oklahoma 9-3, and three, Oklahoma State 6-6, six and six, Iowa State 6-6, six and six, Baylor 8-4, Kansas 6-6, six six. West Virginia 5-7, Kansas State 9-3, TCU the national runner-up this past year at 9-3 with a revamped roster. Texas Tech 8-4, UCF 7-5, five. Houston 5-7, five Cincinnati 6-6. Six six. So what Dean is projecting here is a program that has got a ton of parity across the board with a lot of teams essentially uh, beating each other up in the middle of of those rankings. There's not one that he has listed at three and nine. He's got one that's got 10 wins. He's got a couple at nine wins. This is a conference that I think from the get-go, from the literal very beginnings of this new era of the big 12, is going to be fairly parody ridden. And obviously when you lose a Texas and Oklahoma, whether it's after this upcoming football season or the year after that, I think even more so the parody level remains at that. And that's why I think just right now, I would say BYU is 6-6 six and six is what I'm projecting. And anything beyond that, it's a great first year, and you're building something right away in the Big 12 Conference. Now, obviously, uh, could injuries play a factor in that? They will. And obviously, there are turnover issues. There's so many different factors in, in football that can affect the win and loss margin for you in many ways. But right now, I, I'm Fairly confident that BYU, I think six and six is right where they should aspire to be. Maybe, the, well, okay, where I aspire for them to be, they're probably thinking uh, much bigger. And obviously, you have to have, a, you want to shoot for the moon and land on the stars. I think that's the, the terminology out there and go for it. Just go out there and just be excited. I kind of want my opening stanza today on, on the podcast. This is an exciting time for BYU. Let's enjoy it. Like I said, there are going to be games that you're going to be absolutely frustrated about and uh, breathe and fire on social media about. But at the same time, let's just remember, hey, this is a great opportunity. This is a new era for BYU and hopefully they can start it off with a pretty solid campaign. I think 6-6 six and six is right where they should be. All right. Coming up next, uh, we finish up today's show looking back at yet another game in BYU's uh, independent era, looking back at a game that I actually was in attendance at. I think I attended almost, uh, on average, one away game for BYU during their independent era. One of them that will forever haunt me is the one we're talking about next, and it's a trip to South Bend. We'll get to that in just mere moments. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at UCCU. At UCCU, Love Where Your Bank is a promise made by a local not-for-profit financial institution dedicated to helping families improve their financial lives. UCCU delivers on that promise with pioneering new technologies that make banking safer, easier, and more convenient. The best part is they're creating new products and services that add real value to their members. I can attest this because I've been a member of UCCU for three decades of my life. They provide real easy access to local human beings who also give always give the personal touch or assistance. There are many reasons to love banking with UCCU, and now UCCU wants to give back by giving you 14 reasons to love where you bank. Here's the best part. They're also giving away a stay at the Grand America, complete with a visit to the Grand Spa until Valentine's Day, both on Facebook and Instagram. See why you'll love banking with UCCU when you see one of those posts, love it, and you'll be automatically entered to win that Grand America experience. Enter each day, visit UCCU's Facebook or Instagram pages now until Valentine's Day and enter to win. That's UCCU, love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day, my friends. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic out there. Uh, we are still uh, looking at different sponsors for this upcoming uh, uh, off-season period, the end of the basketball season, and on into the summer, getting ready for football. If you'd like to advertise with the podcast, we'd love nothing more than for you guys to be aboard with us. Uh, we can get you all the information you need by emailing us. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com uh, Get with me, and I'll be sure to get you in touch with our sales team. Get you on the way to advertising success. We've got thousands of unique downloads, both Across the regular podcast sphere and also views wise on YouTube, and love to represent your brand, company, or product. If you are interested in doing any such thing, all right. Before we go on today's show, our our look back at BYU and their independent era continues with a look at a game that I think is one of those great what ifs in BYU football history. They went to Notre Dame on a, on a crazy crazy day for BYU, and the thing about this game for BYU is they that Notre Dame was having one of those seasons that just, it's, it's a dream season. Remember, they went to the national championship that year, and obviously you're thinking, okay, if you're a Notre Dame fan, this is exactly uh, what you wanted it to be. But BYU went into that game at South Bend, and like a number of other teams in that, uh, in that season against Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish escaped by the skin of their teeth. Now, Theo Riddick had a career-high 143 yards. C.R. Wood added 114 yards. The ground game was pretty dominant for Notre Dame in this game. But BYU was right in it in this game, uh, and they absolutely made Notre Dame sweat. Now, we all know, the, the, the play I'm referring to late in this game, Cody Hoffman breaks a uh, free, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was it was a post route, and uh, Riley Nelson sees him and unleashes a pass that just ended up nowhere near uh, Cody Hoffman. And Cody Hoffman was at least uh, five, I don't know, 10 yards uh, uh, free from any any defender near him. Riley Nelson could have lollipop this ball and uh, Cody Hoffman would have had a big gain at, gain at minimum. If he delivers that ball on time and accurately, it's a touchdown and BYU's on their way. To a massive upset win of the number five ranked Fighting Irish in this game, but alas, uh, they surrender a season high 270 yards rushing and a very disappointing loss as BYU dropped to four and four. Like BYU got to the 31, Riley Nelson was sacked for a nine yard loss. That was just after Cody Hoffman had broken free, which would have been a touchdown, but just the pass. I and I can tell you, I was sitting in the end zone, I believe it was the south end zone, yeah, it was the south end zone uh, with my best friend in the entire world. We're watching this game. I just, I I see this play develop, and I I had a perfect bird's-eye view of it watching from my my perch. I was sitting on about the 10th row in that south end zone, and I see Cody Hoffman come free, and Riley Nelson sees him, but just uncorks a pass that was like, what in the world? Where did that come from? How did you not even get it close? It was one of those things that just, and this Notre Dame fan next to me and said, holy bleep. We just won the game because your quarterback couldn't hit a wide open receiver. And I looked at him and said, Well, you ain't wrong. Disappointing loss. 17 to 14. And like I said, giving up 270 rushing yards and losing by three in a circumstance like that, absolutely insane that BYU is even that close in this one. But uh, BYU, it's one of those. It, what happens if BYU? gets that pass completed. What happens if they win this game 21-17? to They knock Notre Dame from the perch of the unbeatens. Who plays in the national championship that year against Alabama and doesn't roll over like Notre Dame does in that game? What does it do for BYU early on in the independent era? What if they're sitting at 5-3 and three versus 4-4 four and four after this game with a next road trip also going back east once again to face off against Georgia Tech and having all kinds of questions facing this team? It's just it's one of those games that will forever in my mind just look at that and say how in the world were you unable to complete that pass and maybe it was due to his back injury. Speaking of Riley Nelson. I I'd love to ask him at some point down the road, but I just can't get over that pass because I had the I had a perfect view of that play developing and just how badly thrown that ball was. How, how just the the inaccuracy on that pass it'll just forever baffle me and just be one of those things that I'll forever just think about. I'm like. What could have been so nonetheless BYU 4 and 4 as we continue on with our look back at these games, but they had a huge huge game the following week a second straight road trip back east to face off against the Georgia Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. How would BYU respond Would they see their season fizzle into sub 500 record sitting at 500 at 4 and 4 at this point in the season, or would they bounce back? We'll talk about that one on tomorrow's podcast. So that's going to do it for today's edition of the show. A big thank you once again for making us your first listen to the day. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic out there in Cougar Nation. Once again, let me just reiterate, good times are ahead for BYU sports. Just simply do the fact... We're in the Big 12, folks. That's the fun part about this. BYU is part of the Power 5, and that should excite you as a Cougar fan. Now go make your second listen of the day, our friends over the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Josh Neighbors, does an incredible job getting you up to speed on everything going on in the Big 12 conference. Get that available on YouTube. It's also available wherever you get your podcasts, free and available on all of those platforms. Until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day, my friends. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.